you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to me that uh, God has a purpose and a plan. Even when we don't know what we're doing, um, <clears throat> I'd like to say this is my sermon notes, but it's not. Uh, I wrote something down when, we're, when we were worshiping, and I think it's, I think we need to hear this and let it sink into our spirits. God shines through all of our shadows. Every single one. Where God is, there can't be shadows because he's light. And the song that we finished with, I mean, I pour out my praises through the blessings and the breaking. Significant. Because <clears throat> so many times we, found our, we find ourselves broken. And who do we run to? Hopefully, we run to the Father. Well, it is Father's Day, and the message today is targeted primarily to you fathers. It doesn't exclude the mothers. It does not exclude you recent high school graduates. It doesn't exclude you young people who are here and with a break from your classes in university or colleges. Because the message relates to significance for me. We all want to know that we matter. And that someone knows our name. I titled this, How Did You Know My Name? And it's really kind of a play on, on a uh, really, really well-known prayer. But before we get to that, we've heard it said from this point up here that names have meanings, right? Janus means God is gracious. Kyla. And really kind of apropos for this, I didn't know it, but Kyla just got back from a <clears throat> summit. Your name means victorious. David in Spanish <laughs> is David, right? Meaning beloved. Nathan means a gift from God. He's every bit of that to me. Alicia is a, a Spanish variant of the name Elise, meaning noble one. Names are an interesting study. When you find time, you have some extra time, um, take up that, that study. Fascinating. Another interesting study is trying to prepare a message for Father's Day. When Nathan uh, <clears throat> got a hold of me and said, hey, uh, would you be willing to bring a message on Father's Day? You know, instantly I'm saying, oh, sure, that's awesome. 
you know. Uh, but then you start thinking about what you're going to say and what, what is it that God wants to say through you. And it doesn't become so exciting because we have to handle the Word of God accurately. And you want to bring His power and His presence through the words that you say. So, I am a father, so I thought, wow, this is going to be a piece of cake. <clears throat> it wasn't, and it isn't, and I stand before you knowing that I'm not a preacher, right? As I stood here and I listened to Pastor Nathan talk beforehand, he's got a calling on his life to do that. I don't have a calling on my life to pastor a church. What we have a calling on our life is to pastor missionaries. Find out that it's far different (laughs) standing up before you all than sitting in front of a missionary and encouraging and loving on them and counseling them. So um, I get emotional about Nathan, because he is our gift from God. I would go further, and I know I'm a little biased, but I think he's a gift to the church. So, uh, to do this week in and week out, bless you. William Franklin once wrote, if he is wealthy and prominent you st- and stand in awe of him, call him father. If he sh- sits in shirt sleeves and suspender at a ball game or a picnic, call him pop. We called him Dean. If he wheels the baby carriage and carries bundles meekly, Call him Papa. If he belongs to a literacy circle and and writes cultured papers, call him Papa. Different emphasis on the syllables. If, however, he makes a pal of you when you're old and is too wise to let you pull the wool, wool over his loving eyes when you're not, If, moreover, you're quite sure no other fellow you know has quite so fine a father, you may call him Papa. My grandkids call me Papa. I hope I live up to that in their eyes. Um... Webster defines fathers this way. It's very profound. A male parent or a man who has begotten a child. Very profound. Especially in today's culture. From scripture, out of Psalm 103.13, it says, The Lord is like a father to his children tender and compassionate to those who fear him. When I thought of what is fatherhood, this is what came to my mind. 
fatherhood produces a future. When we have children, they become our future. A future produces a destiny. The Christian view of destiny believes there is a place for the sovereign will of God, but also there is a place for a man's personal choice. For us to fulfill our destiny, men, we must make the right decisions and choices. Not always easy. God, the Father, is our highest ideal of fatherhood. And he's written our names in the book of life. And you know what that means? He knows our names. I want to tell you a, a little story about a little boy that a friend sent me. It's not original to me, but I really, really like it. They were beginning the Sunday school class with the prayer Jesus taught his disciples. Remember I said it's a very well-known scripture? It is. It's the Our, Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. And if we could, I don't know about you, but I haven't said the Lord's Prayer for a long time. So I'd like to say it together, out loud. Listen to the words, right? So, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be you, thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us not our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Profound prayer. From our Father. Now, in the context of the story, imagine the Sunday school's teacher's surprise when he heard this during the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, how did you know my name? <laughs> Little boy. That's what he heard. And, you know, it's kind of funny and it makes us smile, but have we ever asked that question? Seriously. Lord, how did you know my name? Sometimes... <clears throat> We question. I think we'll all admit that names are important, right? Um, especially our own. We like it when people spell and pronounce our names correctly. Sometimes that's tough, especially if you have a difficult or funny name like Ewing. We have been called A-Wing. We have been called E-Wing. We have been called Ewan. Here's a list of some real names that 
came across. These are real people. Makes you wonder where their parents are coming from. A woman named Nita Bath. Warren Peace. Justin Toon. Groner Digger. He was an undertaker in Texas. I see shivers. Here's one that I, I laughed and I laughed and I thought, oh, your parents were so bad. I'm a, I am a hog. She's the daughter of James Stephen Big Jim Hogg, the 20th governor of Texas. He was a bad man. <laughs> Lawless and Lynch, attorneys at law. Didn't like this one either. Ophelia Legg, daughter of Harry Legg. <laughs> Sh- Shanda Lear. From the Lear Jet family. Real names. And I laughed and I laughed and I laughed and I thought, wow, what I could have done to our children. After that list, you may be uh, a little bit more grateful that your name is Jerry or Alan or Harmony. You know, (laughs) names represent identity to us. When you hear a name, you connect an identity, a real person to that name that you know. You send a message to your head and heart about that person. Names really are very personal, and because of that, they mean a lot to us. And so does the person speaking your name. Think about that for a minute. If I call out your name, you might turn around and say, what? If your mom calls out your name, you may turn around rather slowly (laughs) and say, yes, mother. If your dad calls out your name, I'll let you answer that. (laughs) And if they call out your name with your middle name attached, you might be in a whole lot of trouble. Usually when I heard David Ronald, I was in trouble. Sometimes... a very awesome individual that I've lived with for 48 years uses that term. Not sure it's always with endearment. But it's important. Our names are important. And one who speaks our names is important. Would you rather receive mail marked current occupant? Who hasn't gotten those? Or mail with your actual name. Would you rather receive a handwritten note addressed to you or a computer addressed label 
a notifying you that you may already be a winner. I think we all prefer a personal touch, don't we? The little guy who prayed, how did you know my name, may represent more of us than we care to admit. The ideal of our Father, creator of the universe, Jehovah God, whose name is holy, knowing our name, is totally mind-boggling to me. Our thinking is the more famous a person is, whether they be a king, a president, a so-called celebrity, the less likely our names will be known to them. But those dignitaries and stars are mere mortals. Most of us may never know or be known by the famous of the world. But there is a truth that defines time and space. It transcends station, status, and position, and it surpasses rank and honor. It is the eternal proclamation from the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And this is his proclamation to us, to you and to me. It's out of Isaiah 43, verse 1. It says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Our loving Father knows us. Each and every one. He knows the hairs on our heads. It's a little easier for some of us. And he is committed to us and is involved in every aspect of our lives. He's not abandoning us. He's not forgotten us. We may wonder at times, even question how God could love us, knowing, as, knowing us as he does. But that does not negate the fact that he does. He knows our names. <sighs> Even though we may continue to ask, how do you know my name? Yet the truth before time, before the time that we breathed our first breath of life, continues to ring clear. And it's out of Psalm 139. 16 through 18. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts of me, O God. If I should count them, they would be more than the number in the sand. Men and women of the church, God knows your name. There's a calling on your life, a purpose that God has assigned for you. 
we spoke of, you know, briefly of, of, of those callings. Each one of us has a calling on our life that's specific from our Father to us. Isn't that amazing? That many purposes, that many callings, far more than the number of the sand on the seashore. Amazing. With that knowledge, you can make a difference in your family. You can make a difference with our spouses. We can make a difference with our children in your workplace. Proverbs 11.14 says, A nation will fall if it has no guidance. I would also say, A family will fall if it has no guidance. Are we leading or guiding our families, guys? Are we taking an active role in calling out our children's names in prayer? How about our spouses? How about your future spouse? For you young people, we can pray to our Father And he knows our hearts. Are we doing that with purpose? It's the question today, really. Is there significance in that? I would propose to you that there is. However, (laughs) this calling will not go uncontested. To answer it, we must be ready to contend for it against all challenges, great and plentiful. The key will be to keeping our heart open and responsive to the God and Father who knows our name. In the end, a great work may be done and a lasting legacy endowed with the grace of God. So particularly, since it's Father's Day, men, I shudder at the thought of saying no to those things, to not proclaiming our spouse in prayer. I stand before you convicted. I mean, as I do with most of the teachings, it's speaking to me, right? And do I... I would love to stand before you and say, I'm a model. I'm a very bad model because I'm broken and I fail miserably most of the time. But it's a goal. It's an ideal to to strive after, particularly with our young people, our children, because they're our next leaders. They're the ones who are going to carry on the legacy of our families. So, I'll say it again. There's a call of God upon your life, a purpose he has for you, an assignment for which you are uniquely 
qualified. You can make a difference in some way that counts. Your life matters. There are no inconsequential people. And certainly, that is true for each of us in this body. The time has never been more crucial than now, today, for men and women to answer the call the Lord has on our lives, but to deliver the goods as well. We have to know that there's an enemy engaged in a warfare against our soul. The call on your life and you answering it pose a great threat to that enemy. He will oppose us in every way possible, seen and unseen, subtle or spectacular, as we've seen in the news lately, to deter you from that call, to deter you from your cause, and diminish your life's effectiveness and potential. Who wants to sign up? You know, when we look at it from that perspective, it's a little daunting. Knowing what we know, knowing that there's an enemy whose sole purpose in this life is to kill, steal, and destroy. And yet we're called to stand before him, not alone, praise God. We have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Almighty Father standing with us. And if we let him work in and through us, we're never alone. And we're never in that battle alone, nor should we be. If you're in that battle alone, you're in a very dangerous place. Because we need the power and the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. We need the power and the presence of our Father in our lives on a daily basis. That enemy knows our names as well. He whispers it in the middle of a disagreement with our wives. He whispers it in your mind when your employer may be a little difficult. He doesn't say your name with love, does he? No, uh, usually the enemy comes at us and it's from always from a negative tone. He's not going to come at us with encouragement. He's going to come and say, let him know what you really think while he's sitting here on our shoulder whispering all those negative things. He gives us plenty of things to say and he would love for us to say them loudly. Come on, guys. Let's not cooperate with him. Let's rise up and take a stand for ourselves, for our wives, you guys, for your girlfriends, for your children, young and old, 
for your future children. Fight the good fight. Become a man and woman that God created you to be. To fulfill the purpose for which you were born. To achieve the goal towards which you have been called. Fathers. Men. James 4.7 says, Submit yourself to God and he will exalt you. Resist the devil and he will flee. That's where this little note about God shines through every shadow was so amazing to me. That what God does through the course of a service that he ties things together. I didn't have an opportunity to talk with Elena beforehand. So the songs that we sang here were inspired by God, our Father. It amazes me. He will shine through the shadow. Resist the devil and he must flee. Because where the light of God is, there can be no shadow. Amen. Open our heart to God and let him fill us with his spirit. He will give you the desire to go the distance once you decide to do that. And it is a choice. It is a decision to stand and fight when most of the times we would rather turn our back and flee because it's hard. It's not easy. That's why we don't do it in our own strength. I will believe he will honor our dedication by granting us success little by little, day by day, one step at a time. Until that day when a great work will have been done as we look back. It will be achieved in you and through you. Amen. Max Licato once said, a man who wants to lead the orchestra must turn his back on the crowd. Right? When I read that, I mean, I was just looking through some encouraging things and I thought, well, that's not very encouraging. Turn your back. But if you want to lead the orchestra, they're here. I thought then as I thought about it, it's like, yep. In order to lead our families, we must turn our backs on the enemy. And the juicy whispers, he hisps. And as I, I was thinking about that, it's like, well, Lord, I want to want to say that word right. I don't think I wrote it right. But it's what he does, right? He's the little slinking snake that we are told to crush his head. But that's what snakes do. They, they hiss at you. And it's those little juicy things. It's, it's as he did with Jesus in the wilderness, 
it's a little bit of truth mixed with his lies. We need to turn our backs on that. He's the good, good father that will strengthen our determinations with his supply of strength so that no weapon formed us will prosper, no lie spoken against us will prevail, no bandit sent to rob us will succeed. And no word or work you do will fall ineffective to the ground. Now, even as we hear these words, the Lord makes this offer to you out of Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who are tired from carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. There is one calling out to you, and he knows your name. We can be like Isaiah of old and follow his examples by saying, Here am I, Lord. Send me. I love Isaiah. I won't go down that trail. Many of us need to say as the prodigal did. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 18. I will arise and go to my father and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you and before you. I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. I want to be that father. Because I fear most of the time I'm that prodigal son. When I run to the Father, I can imagine in my mind Him running after me, towards me, and saying, let's have a party. Put on the best robe that I have. Put the ring back on His hand because He hocked it to live the life He thought He was going to enjoy. That turned out not to be a very pleasant experience. I want to be that father. Here's an encouraging word for each of us. He knows your name. He knows the correct spelling of your name. He knows the proper pronunciation of your name. And when you pray, our Father who art in heaven, how did you know my name? 
he will respond, because I love you. That's the Father that we should be striving to be, to be emulating. Will we fall short? Absolutely. We got a pretty perfect example set for us. But when he says, I love you, everything else fades from significance because he knows your name. Church, it's time that we do what God, God's word says. And not just to be listeners and do nothing. When we only sit and listen, we are fooling ourselves, it says in James. Pastor Nathan said a few weeks ago that we need to know him so we can show him. Do you know him? Or you, do you just know about him? Do you know him by name? Abba Father? He knows you by name. There's 10 things that scripture says about being a father. And I'm only going to highlight a few of them. Um, I wish they were mine. They're not. I found them on, on the internet. And uh, it's really kind of cool. Um, I sent, I did send Nathan a, a list of, of scriptures. But as I was reading them, I found that I like to read the ERV, the easy to read version, right? Here's one from Proverbs 22.6. Teach children in the way that fits their needs. And even when they're old, they will not leave the right path. I like how that read. It says in 2 Corinthians 2, verses 2 and 3. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 3, verses 2 and 3. No, you yourselves are our letter. Written on our hearts. It is known and read by all people. You should, you show that you are a letter from Christ that he sent through us. This letter is not written with ink, but the spirit of the living God. It's not written on stone tablets, but on human hearts. Here's one the children in the room, the young people in the room aren't going to like. I already know it, but it's Proverbs 13, 24. If you correct your children, if you don't correct your children, you don't love them. If you love them, you will be quick to discipline them. Our children don't like that one, but it's the truth of God's word. And we have to show our love as fathers to those who we have been blessed with, and they are a blessing. There's 10 of them. If, if, if you'd like a copy of them, I'm, I, I can make that available to you. Um, however, what I want to do um, right now is, one, pray for the fathers who are here. If you find yourself in a place today 
where you're struggling, where it has been difficult, where there have been challenges, who hasn't been there. I would love the opportunity with Pastor Nathan and to pray with you. Avail yourself of the power of the Lord's presence that I believe is here to minister to us. So Father, I just lift up particularly the men in this body. Father, that you have blessed with children who you will bless with children. Father, to know the power of your presence in their lives. Father, where there's been difficulties, where there's been struggle, where there's been challenges, even lately, Father, speak your words of encouragement. Speak your words of blessing in us, through us, and to us this day. Father, that we can put that proverbial stake in the ground and said, this is the day that the Lord spoke my name and it meant everything to me because it changed my destiny. Lord, let it be a day where you are glorified in and through us because you are our good, good Father. You are that ultimate example of fatherhood. Lord, we lay it the foot of your throne and say, have your way in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.